Good morning, Charles. How good, are you? Uh, good morning, Dan. I am well. How are you? I am also well. I uh, I woke up early this morning to check in for my flight to New York City tomorrow, and I had not paid for a seat assignment, so Spirit finally stuck me in a middle seat. Oh, fun. And so now I've got to decide, do I just take the middle seat and then try to worm my way into an aisle or a window once I'm on the plane or do I pay them for an assigned seat in an aisle or a window and know for sure that I'll have one. So what time is the flight tomorrow? 5.15 a.m. There's a good chance it might not be full. I don't think it's going to be full. So you... I, I think I've got a good shot at yeah. just asking a flight attendant, hey, can I can I move over to that row over there and sit in the window? Would that be okay? I think they would say yes. Or I pay $21 and I pick out the exact seat that I want, which would also get me much closer to the front of the plane. Like I could get row, I could get a window in row 15 for 21 bucks or right now I'm in a, in a middle on row 37. Mm. I mean, not even for the the comfort of the seat, but just to not be on the plane for an extra half hour (laughs) might be worth it for me. But like you said, it's probably not going to be that crowded. So deplaning probably won't take as long as it would if it was a crowded flight. That's fair. But, I do. I mean, $21 is like the cost of like one drink in New York anyway. So, I mean, I don't know, man. Yeah, I thought about that. I mean, I could very easily. So, my philosophy on traveling is I will do as much convenient things to make the whole process smoother, easier, and more enjoyable as much as possible um, with the exception of like, you know, spending $1,000 to upgrade a first class. Right. Because – for me, I want to go in with as much energy and enjoyment and clarity yeah. as possible because these aren't things that you do every day, right? Well, it's and something so I do me, every day. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, okay. This right. time of year, pretty I mean, it's because, almost that. Yeah. Just because you fly more than a pilot. I mean, <laughs> you know, to be honest with you. But I, you know, for so I will, I'll, you know, I'll pay for, I'll pay a few extra bucks to get. A little bit more leg room, knowing it's just going to make my overall experience a little bit nicer. And so that I'm coming into that experience already with a little bit more. We talked about that on on a previous podcast is I really believe in in giving yourself that doing that self-care, those things to make life a little bit easier. So you've got a little bit more of a capacity to handle things when they go wrong and it doesn't necessarily just. Crap on your whole trip. trip, Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I would I would upgrade. I think what I might do is um uh, their uh their big seats like that are fr- like first class style seats on uh-huh. Frontier. Uh there's one left. Uh C or yeah, one C is available. And forty bucks. Oh, that's a no brainer. Just do it. <laughs> you think so? Do it. Try do it this one time as an experiment, right? And then see, hey, was it worth it? You know, and and look back and see where you would have been sitting with the rest of the peasants. Oh wow! On the flight home, it's only uh, forty three dollars for a uh, for the big seat. Yeah, I would. Oh, but on the way home, no. See, on the way home, see, yeah, on the way home, it's not that important. And and I can upgrade to an aisle on row twenty six for seven dollars. Yeah, so that's that's good enough. Yeah, on the way home, I'm I'm a little bit more. Yeah, I really don't care what kind of seats I'm getting and things unless I've got a busy day the next day and I have to be somewhat functional. All right. So for $47, I can upgrade my seat on both flights. I think I'm going to just go ahead and do that. Oh, 
Oh, it's both ways. That's cool. Yeah, for 47. Oh, oh, with the yeah, seven on the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let me go ahead and do that real quick. This is real, real entertaining stuff. I'm there sure the listeners yeah. love it. Dun, 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 yeah. Dun, 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 dun. I'm a very well, professional, well, very professional yeah. broadcaster. Clearly, clearly. All right. Take my card and tell me that it's confirmed, you maniacs. There, done. Okay. Nice. So that's, that's, that's solved. Thank you for the good advice on that. Yeah. 40 bucks to, and again, um, yeah. this isn't just a normal, recreational trip. Oh, that's right. You need to exert yourself a little bit on this one. I am going to be doing my 30 mile hike, uh, 48 hours from now. I will be, let's see, by this time I'll be almost four hours in and that should be somewhere around. I should have already cleared mile 10 by now. Okay. Um, I'm shooting for about three miles an hour mile every 20 minutes, which, you know, on, on wilderness, that's that's a nice clip. It is, yeah. Oh, that reminds me. I'm gonna take that uh, iPhone with me. Okay. So that uh, I'm gonna have my big battery charger, and I'm gonna have two iPhones and two sets of AirPods, because the last thing I want to do is try to raw dog walk in with no with no audio entertainment for miles 20 through 30. I will kill myself. Yeah. So I'm bringing an extra phone. I'm bringing an extra set of AirPods. I am doing everything I can to make sure I do not run out of juice or run out of yeah. – uh, I downloaded some of uh, – I went through and uh, did a Google search for what are uh, Stephen King's best produced audiobooks. Oh nice. And I went cuz I I like Stephen King but I haven't listened to his stuff in a while. So I'm going to bring two or three of those. Um there's a book I saw actually just on the shelf in Barnes and Noble last time I was getting my steps in at a shopping mall. Uh all about the uh, Medici family from Italy. They were like during the oh, Renaissance they started okay. the banking system in Italy oh. and rose to a real high level of power and uh, just reading the back cover of this book it sounded like it'd be really interesting. So I'm going to use one of my audible credits to uh to get that and uh that'll be something very different from what i usually like historical biographies is not really my wheelhouse as far as the kinds of books that i listen to you know mm -hmm. I, I listen to self-improvement and relationships and occasionally a couple of fiction authors but something like that will be a little bit outside of what i'm used to yeah so i'm really looking forward to uh listening to that on the uh on the on the trail as well so yeah i start 645 outside of Hackettstown, New Jersey on Sunday morning. And I'm also bringing two uh, headlamps with extra batteries uh, because they, they won't let you on the 30-mile course unless they confirm that you have a headlamp or or flashlight of some sort. So is there a cutoff? Like they say, all right, after this hour, like you're done no matter what? There, uh, No, they you can, you can take as long as you want to take and there will be somebody there, but they do start picking the signs up off the trail route at a certain time. So when do they start picking the bodies off the trail route? That's, uh, I don't know. I, I'm also bringing plenty of uh, ibuprofen because usually around mile number eight, I start getting some uh, hip pain, maybe maybe some ankle pain. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be ready for that. I I ordered a new uh, packable windbreaker. Okay. Amazon's going to deliver later today, um, just because. Yeah, I think the temps are going to be around 50 degrees when I start, and so I'm going to wear my Columbia uh, zip off pants, where they go from they convert from pants to shorts. Nice. So I'm hoping that with a tank top and a windbreaker and a lot of physical activity 
I should be able to handle 50 degrees without a lot of layers. In terms of your shoes, are these <sighs> new ones? Are they ones that you've already worn and, and broken in? So I'm What's wearing, strategy? yeah, I'm wearing my trail, my, uh, Merrill, um, trail runners that, uh, I always forget what the, uh, the model of them is. Um, but I got them two summers ago when uh ariel and i went to hawaii for her birthday okay and uh they're starting to wear through there's some tears uh right around where the the toe area bends like that outside corner yeah that's i guess where shoes will typically start wearing first um I, this is going to be the last hike for those shoes. Okay. I'm going to wear them on this one. And they're also my go-tos when I, when I go visit a walking city like Boston, New York, Chicago, and I know mm-hmm. I'm going to be getting 30, 40,000 steps a day. I always wear these shoes because they're super comfortable. Um, I did wear my hiking boots a couple times to just confirm that they're comfortable and, uh, you know, I wouldn't have to break them in. I, I've, I've broken them in on some hikes already, but uh, they're just not as comfortable and lightweight as the as the trail runners. So I'm going to wear the trail runners, and then I'm going to retire them after after this this last hike, and they're going to go in the garbage, and I'm going to have All to right. buy a new a new pair. The uh, the new ones are about 155 dollars, but Merrill always has sales and coupons and stuff like that. So I'll probably end up spending about 120 on the next set. And look, if I can get you know three mammoth marches and half a dozen city trips and you know a national park out of them over two years before i have to toss them and get new ones i'm i'm okay with that investment i don't expect them to last forever yeah i mean uh, my what i've been hearing is most sneakers or shoes i mean not shoes but sneakers or yeah. active it lasts about a year so if you're getting two out of that yeah you know and you're really active with it hey great yeah my my big thing is uh i only get the ones that are made out of gore-tex because it's lightweight it's breathable your sweet your feet don't like they have a uh merrill has three models in this particular shoe i think in their moab and in um whatever this name is that i can't remember um they have the ventilated one, the waterproof one, and the Gore-Tex one. And the Gore-Tex is the most expensive. Gore-Tex and waterproof are both waterproof, but the Gore-Tex technology is a better waterproofing than just waterproof. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I've I've read that people's feet tend to sweat a lot more in the waterproofs. Yeah. So I'm, I'm willing to spend the extra 20 or 30 bucks. But I, I am excited. I'm, I, I've been looking at uh, for the next one. I'm either going to get a very sort of boring navy colored one that will match a lot of other clothes that I could wear them in a lot more situations or a very loud, brightly colored pair that uh, it's very clear that I'm, I'm wearing trail runners. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm vacillating between those two choices. I, I know which one you're going with. You think I'll end up going with the loud one? No, why would I? Why would I vote in that direction? I mean, the the got ver- nothing to do with that that uh, what you wore to the the, the white party, the guys with ties. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, I I don't know the but the thing is, if I'm wearing it to work, I mean the 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 boring navy ones I could wear. You know, if, if I'm going to a you know a decent restaurant mm-hmm. or something like that, I could wear those without them standing out as sneakers. The, right. the black ones or the navy ones. Yeah, where the bright blue ones that I'm looking at. Nah, it's it's very clear. It's like that that gentleman is wearing sneakers. Yeah, where I mean, the other ones can kind of fly under the radar. Do you need other ones to fly under the radar? Don't you have other shoes that you'd be normally wearing with those outfits for those occasions? Yeah, normally I would wear my Doc Martens right. or my dress boots. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good point. Yeah. So, but uh, I do think I may. I this this particular kind of shoe, and I need to look up the uh, the name of it because I 
I feel like I'm going senile and I'm also robbing our listeners of, uh, the, um, the benefit of knowing what they are. Uh, let's see, Merrill Nova. That's the model. Okay. The, the Nova three is, is what I'm considering ever since I got these Nova twos two years ago. I've not really had a reason to wear my actual hiking boots. So I may, the boots are still in great shape. Mm. I may donate the boots, throw out my Nova twos and then just get a pair of Nova threes. And then, Mm. you know, I, I love it living in my tiny house. I love it whenever I can consolidate two things into one thing. And I feel like, uh, I've got an option to do that here where donating the boots and just sticking to the trail runners. Nice. So, Yeah, I'm, well, I'm excited good luck about on the uh, good luck on the hike, man. Thank you. I bought some food yesterday for the hike at Whole Foods. I got some meat sticks and also some uh, hard cheeses. But now I'm trying to decide if it's worth actually transporting the meat sticks and the hard cheeses up there, or do I just keep them in my camper as a, as a keto snack and then buy them once I get up to New Jersey? Because I mean, there's plenty of Targets and Whole Foods, yeah, up there. And I am only taking a six liter fanny pack as my only luggage for this okay. whole trip. So uh, I'm going to be up there Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, pretty much all day, all three days. And I'm trying to fit, you know, I've got to fit a spare pair of socks, a couple pair of underwear, uh, two shirts. And so the, the March is Sunday, no? It is Sunday. Okay, yes. good. I was so I'm up there. Yeah. All right. I get up there Saturday morning, oh, okay. come home Monday night. Okay, good. All yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to spend uh, Saturday night and Sunday night in the hotel in Parsippany. All right. And uh, yeah. then I will probably I'll, – I'll get up fairly early on um, Saturday morning – or I'm sorry, Monday morning, probably drive into the city, return my rental car, and then I may, I may go to one of – I was going to say go to one of the co-working spaces I like, but I'm only bringing my phone. I'm not mm-hmm. bringing my iPad. I'm not bringing my laptop. So, I mean, you can sit down and use your phone anywhere. There's no real need to yeah. pay for a co-working space. Go to Starbucks or something. Right, exactly. Or or the pub, New York Public Library. Yeah. I think I've got – I bought a library card from the New York – or I signed up for one. They're free for a public library card at the oh. uh, New York Public Library. I've never been in it though. So this might be a, a yeah, good, go check it good out. time to check it out. Absolutely. Spend some time doing some work and – um, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll buy a notepad and just listen to some stuff and take some notes and take pictures of the notes and throw away the notepad. Um, something like that. But anyway, what, uh, what do you got going on this weekend? You do anything fun without me? Uh, this weekend, um, possibly I might, uh, I might be checking out a museum this weekend in Orlando. Oh yeah. Which last one? week, uh, the illusions. Oh yeah. I've been there. It's, it's yep. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't been. Want to check that out. And, uh, last week I got to drive, uh, for the first time a, a car or vehicle that I've admired for many years. Every time yeah. I've gone to some sort of car show or, or airplane show, the Polaris slingshot. And that, uh, yeah, that was, that was a great time. Um, I had no idea how noisy they actually are. It's a yeah. motor. It really is a motorcycle okay. engine underneath. Yeah. But they are marine safe, so you can hose down the whole thing, and it can get caught in the rain. The and there's no there's no roof to it or or anything. Okay. So, um, so there's no real interior to it either, right? It's like a motorcycle. Y- there is an interior, but everything's hard plastic. Okay, so it's gotcha. like ABS, like hard plastic, gotcha. like like a, like it was a boat basically. Okay, and so yeah, it can totally get wet, and you can so. Uh, yeah, I got to I got to drive one uh, last weekend with a friend and had uh, a really great time uh, on the highway. The bad part is it's so loud 
you can't hear the music. So it kind of takes away oh, a little okay, bit of the, yeah, the experience yeah. uh, of, 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 you know, enjoying it. If so I'm sure they've got models now where it's not, it's not quite as loud. I haven't looked into those, but um, yeah. So that was, it was a really great time. And um, I'm looking forward to relaxing a little bit this week. I'm going to go up to the RV. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit more uh, self-reflection working on, working on some of the, uh, my, the project grounded man stuff that I'm, I'm yeah. involved with and, uh, and just kind of, yeah, work, working on myself and getting close to nature. And um, I'm going to be doing that a little bit this weekend as well. So that sounds fun. I am. Yeah. Um, I've already scheduled the truck rental for my eventual move from the Sanford Sorrento area to new Smyrna beach on November 1st and I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, I mean, I'm not looking forward to moving. Moving is always a hassle, but, uh, I, I am also planning on next weekend doing finishing some prog projects around my camper with, uh, doing some painting, doing some work on the floors. And, uh, maybe if I, if, if those go quickly and, and, and well enough, I may also, uh, repair my, or swap out my, the ceiling assembly on my air conditioner so that I can have the programmable Bluetooth one that will nice. also include the, uh, it'll also include a heater, which my current one does not. If I want to run the heat, I have to run the propane furnace currently okay. where the new one will have an electrical heating solution built right into the ceiling Excellent. air conditioner. So I'll be able to, yeah, I'm trying to lower my reliance on propane. One project that I'm debating taking on is uh installing an electric hot water heater so that i could run it off run the hot water heater off of propane or electric okay and uh you know the electric one takes a bit longer to heat up but you can also always just leave it on and, and not worry that you know if you run out of propane you're gonna have a cold heat. shower yeah yeah, yeah. So, so i'm i'm thinking about doing that uh that project at some point as well or finding uh, a professional that i could pay to do the project for me why are you gonna start now <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> that's what youtube's for right yeah yeah the youtube video definitely helped me with uh you know that that small fire situation that i had where the uh the plug that connects to the uh the power outlet at the campground caught on fire and they uh they called me and told me while i was out of town and i had to uh they cut the uh the line for me so i had to figure out how to put a new plug on the end and uh, one thing that occurred to me is this new replacement plug is not going to fit inside that uh, little hole that you you feed the plug back into when oh. it's too big. So I don't know exactly what that looks like. I, I imagine what it looks like is me just probably duct taping it to the side of the camper while I move. Yeah. And big deal. And when I get to the plate, I'll take the duct tape off and it'll be done. Right. Um, or I may look and see, is there a Small, smaller plug I where just I just take the old one off out. and put the new one on? Yeah. But, you know, do I want to deal with that or do I want to just do it the easy way? Time will tell. Probably the easy way. <laughs> Probably. Um, all right. So you ready to uh, get into the next couple chapters here? Yes, sir. All right. Dan, uh, you should know that your lover is not your mother. Uh, why didn't you tell me this? Um, I don't know, 40 years ago, something like that. I mean, I really could have used that advice a lot sooner than, uh, I figured out myself. It's interesting to think about the different experiences that, uh, men have when they assign values, uh, from the experience they had growing up with their mom to their, to their partners and, and how that is going to always bite you in the butt 
when you do it. Um, I would wager that most men have the experience of, I'm going to assume that my partner is going to love me unconditionally and always be there for me like my mother. And, and I'm going to add to that, caretaking. Take care of my needs, right? right. And what, of course, why else, what else would we think? We, we don't have, I mean, very few of us have another model growing up of an interaction with a woman. And the only other model we might have is maybe with a sister or an aunt. Aunt is still kind of like a mom. Sister, you're just kind of teasing back and forth. And that's more like a buddy or a friend. Right. So that's that type of relationship. So we don't, you know, that's why I think we have so many, we struggle so much in relationships with, with men and women is because we I know I'm guilty of getting in a relationship, getting, getting lazy and, and getting comfortable and, or I should say, you know, being comfortable and making assumptions like, yeah, she's always going to love me and uh, unconditionally. And, and that's just what, how women are. And they're always sweet. It doesn't really matter so much what I do or what I don't do. And, and at the beginning, yeah, you're putting your best foot forward and and you're kind of careful until, until you kind of get in a relationship and then you kind of, all right, oh, we've got a commitment now. Oh, that means she's going to like love me unconditionally and I can just take my foot off the accelerator and I don't need to do anything. And man, I've done that way too many times and it, look, it hasn't worked out for me. And so, right. and also hasn't been enjoyable for me either. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a good reason. You know, it's, and, and, and right. And, and not just not, not, it's, it's not, not enjoyable because the relationship didn't work out. That's part of it. But you know, the, in being in those types of relationships was not enjoyable where there's the excitement kind of goes away and, and there's no, there's a lot less effort and thinking and, and, you know, yeah. I mean, you, you, it comes, you, you, you don't need to do quite as much at the very beginning, you know, you know, in the relationship as you did at the beginning, but at the same time, you know, have those date nights, those, you know, plan those vacations and those, that, that time away with that person and and make it a priority so that you are being intentional with the types of things that you're doing just the same way you plan your work or anything else that you're doing put some time and effort and planning into your relationship and and things for that along those lines yeah i i don't remember if it was uh andrew Faraby or Corey wayne that said you know that we we fall into this trap of just because you hear i love you every day it feels like okay, my job's done. I I won yeah. I won the girl, so I yeah. I get to stop. I get to stop winning the girl. I already won her. Yep. my job is done. Yeah, uh, I come at it from a different perspective, which is probably fairly rare, but uh, it may resonate with some people, and so I want to share it. Um, I come at relationships with a partner based on the experience I had with my mother of. Love is always conditional and she is never going to be there for you. Mm. And so from my perspective, it's every day you have to wake up and earn her love or in some cases when I'm at my worst, trick her into loving you by pretending to be something you're not. And if you let that facade crack in the slightest, if she gets mad at you, if she gets upset, if she gets disappointed with you, then you're constantly on the verge of losing her. So you can't ever let that happen. Yeah. And so that is another model that guys could have to deal with where it's like, you know, 
it, it leads to this a lot of the same behaviors though from from the guy yeah and it's 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 working too much to i mean they're they're both a failure of authenticity you know both the i'm comfortable and i assume you're going to love me forever so mm-hmm. now i get to cruise and not not be the hardworking romantic man that you got involved in or um you know, I'm constantly at work trying to manipulate this relationship and trying to manipulate this woman into sticking around for one more day with me. If I can get, get her to stay around one more day, then that's another day that I can convince her that I'm good enough. And and the ironic part is when you're doing that, you are continually diminishing your own value with yourself and with her and her eyes. Yeah, it's the opposite because, of intimacy. Because, because because you're basically saying me and and my presence is not enough. Right. I have to do all these things. And a lot of times you're doing things that you wouldn't want to do. You're doing things that she wants to do. And so you are basically then saying, Hey, listen, I'm going to bend over backwards, you know, and, and do all these things, even though it makes me uncomfortable and I'm unhappy doing them, but because I'm not enough, I have to do these, I have to be here and I have to do these things in order for you to just be with me. Right. And, and, and be in your, and be in your presence as, as, right. as he talked, as he talked about bask in your glory or right. in your presence. Right? And, and yeah. there's, and there's also versions of that that are more negative and more confrontational in that, uh, oh, you're upset with me. No, you're not. Here's why you shouldn't be. Here's why, Oof. here's why the thing that you're bothered by is, is no reason to be upset. And then talking, talking her out of her feelings because, yeah, just living with the idea that she's upset or disappointed can't handle that. So now I have to I have to tell her why she's why she's not. Yeah, and yeah, so I mean, tough. yeah, there's 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 a lot of patterns that uh, you know I I have mommy dearest to thank. But you know, as as we often say, uh, the negative things that happen to you are not your fault, but they're your responsibility mm. to deal with it today. Yeah, and so that's that's where that's yeah. where the work comes in that I do on a weekly daily basis to try to get over some of these things because they are not serving me nor are they serving my partners. And it's great that you are at least aware of them and taking action and not just doing research about it. A lot of us, <laughs> yes. and I'm guilty of no, that. Me too. Absolutely me too. Where I feel like I'm doing stuff just by reading books and talking about them, having conversations, but actually taking steps and maybe going to therapy or going to a 12 step program or, or, you know, taking actions, um, you know, getting, you know, starting a new workout or changing what we're eating or going to a doctor or nutritionist and see, Hey, maybe there's some, some supplements I should be taking. A lot of times we don't do that because it's uncomfortable. It takes more energy and we want to, we want to conserve energy. Yeah. And I mean, you know, reading, reading or listening to a book, it's not nothing or a podcast or a podcast. It's not, it's not doing nothing, but it's also, um, you know, as, as we've talked about on, on a recent episode, it's not the, when it comes to rewiring your brain, your reward systems and your attachment style, and it's not, it's not as easy as just exposing yourself to new information. There's exposure to new information does not make these personality level changes in people. Yeah. I I think it's much more difficult to do that. What I'm seeing in terms of a pattern here is for me specifically, and I think probably for most people too, I would say is the more senses we, more of our five senses we can involve in that new behavior, the easier it's going to be for us to start to naturally gravitate and, 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 
use that behavior or or you know be, change yeah. right because we're getting the sensory input from different you know from multiple different ways right so it's not just listening to something it it's actually all right, I'm going to listen to this and I'm going to write down my thoughts about this. And then I'm also going so now I'm, I'm got I've got the feel, I've got the audible, right? Now I've got yeah. the, the feel and now all right, maybe I'll, I'll go to a therapist and so now I'm talking. So I've got the the, the yeah. I am I'm, I'm expressing too now communication in that way too. So a multi-pronged approach I feel is going to be the quickest way. You, not that you can't get there from another way, but it's going to be a lot more difficult. Yeah, I said in uh either the episode we released this week or the one I'm editing this week, um, you know, looking at mental health memes on Instagram is helpful. I mean, it's, it's make, it, it makes you better, not worse, but you know, unless you're planning on living for three or 400 years, that, that's how long, <laughs> that's how long looking at memes and yeah. listening to podcasts is probably going to take for you to improve your mental health. Where if you're like the rest of us and you've got 75, 85, 95 years, and then you're done, it's like, you know, the, mm. the older you get, the more important it is to start working on this stuff in ways that you can actually move the needle in a much shorter time horizon. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that does feel like the, the most valuable approach. Um, so in this, uh, in this chapter, he does basically say, um, and again, he's targeting guys that have had an experience probably more like yours with their mom where it's like, yeah, you're, you're her flesh and blood. It's her job to take care of you. And there's not really much you can do to get her to sort of wash her hands and check out. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, the fact that you, the, the woman you spend so much time with as a kid is, has that agenda of taking care of you no matter what, keeping you alive, keeping you healthy, then you're going to assume that uh, other women have that same level of commitment to you. And that would be a, that would be a foolish assumption to make. And yet we all, most of us tend to make that assumption. Yep. Um, one thing I will say is, you know, he starts hitting the, uh, the term of hypergamy pretty early in this book. I was just going to address that with you. That that's gotten to be a bit of a trigger word for me because I, I feel like, you know, this paralysis by analysis, so many men, particularly online tend to, you know, hyper-focus on words like hypergamy and the nature of women. And so hypergamy is this idea that a, a woman, women made up, they, they want to mate with men of higher status than themselves. And if you start behaving in a way that communicates a lower status, then they're going to start looking for a man of higher status to dump you and go to. Right. So, um, and I, I want to just make sure that we we all understand when you said made up, I thought you said made up. It's mate, mate up, up. mate yes. up, right? Yes. So, mate up. Uh, but he does state something in here in terms of defining hypergamy, which changes that uh, from not being so triggering for me. So he says basically, uh, hypergamy also states that if a woman senses weakness in a man, she'll look to fill the void with another man of superior strength. So to me, when you know, yeah. Hypergamy is being thrown around as basically I feel like a lot of times an excuse guys use exactly. to, say, yes. to say, oh, well, women are just hypergamous and they're always going to be trading me for the next guy. Well, no. I mean I, what I took away from that was, yeah, if you, are, <laughs> you aren't doing your part as a man in the relationship, right. she's going to look to replace you and that – 
I mean, it goes both ways. If yes, she wasn't, yes. do, if she wasn't doing her part as a woman in the relationship, then yeah, you would, you would want to leave it as well. And yeah, so and it's true for my lawyer, my accountant, the, you mean, don't do it, your it, job, yeah, if right? Somebody's not doing their job, the job they agreed to do and the way that they agreed to do right. it, then I'm going to start looking for other options to get that job done. And, and listen, weakness and, and when he says weakness here, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't many. I don't know many women who are looking to adopt another child when they get in a relationship with a man, right? Yeah. That's the last thing they want is to have to take care of somebody. And look, I mean, exclusively, yes, it goes back and forth. You know, at times the woman is going to take care of the man, the man's going to take care of the woman in different situations. Absolutely, and that's the way I, I I view it. But if somebody, yeah, so I to me, you know, when I and that's the first time I saw hypergamy defined that way and so now it's not such a trigger word for me anymore in terms of hey look yeah it's it's just it seems just like kind of common sense to me yeah i i guess the reason that uh that it triggers me is because of the way that i see it used so frequently by men where it's oh i see yeah yeah every every breakup that's initiated by a woman is it's not the result of you know, I stopped listening to her. I stopped making her feel safe. I stopped dating her. I stopped being romantic. No, that's not the reason the breakup happened. The reason the breakup happened is because of hypergamy. She decided to, you know, yeah. she had an opportunity to trade up. So it's 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 used as a tool for a lot of men to not take responsibility for where they've dropped the ball in the relationship. It, it supports a victim mindset. So right. basically, yeah, if uh, I'm not going to take responsibility for anything. Now, again. Uh, nothing is 100% your fault or 100% somebody else's fault. Right. But at the same time, take some responsibility and and look to yourself. Hey, are there any things that you could have done differently? Maybe, maybe not. But at least take the time and don't just get lazy and 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 blanket the statement. Oh, yeah, it's because she's hypergamous. And then just, right. again, not how. What were you doing? Again, it's it's almost the same thing we we're talking about with the the Barbie episode too. Where yeah. We we're talking about you know uh, uh, the patriarchy, right? Well, let's get let's get granular here, right? Yeah. Let's not let's not just throw that term around. In what situation? What was going on? Let's uh, like you said, get curious about that and see see where we can understand each other and maybe where there's room for improvement. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I would say that uh, in every every relationship that ends every breakup that is initiated by the woman the other partner is going to have some level of responsibility and i would say it comes down to one of two things either you are a suboptimal partner or you are a suboptimal picker mm-hmm. and it's it's always going to be part of that breakup happened for one of those two reasons in every case that either i or any close any person close to me has been involved in either the guy was a bad picker or he was a bad partner or, or a little both, or a little both, right. or a lot of both, right? Yeah, and, yeah fair. And and that's that's what it comes down to. And you know, every yeah, every time that I've had friends, usually when I was younger or when I was older, and they were younger, that had a lot of animosity and were willing to talk trash about their ex. I always would remind, like you, you know, you picked her, you you chose to be with her. So every every negative word you're saying about her, you're also saying about your ability to choose a partner. Mm-hmm. And so maybe maybe quiet down a little bit yeah. and start looking at you know what role you played in either picking the wrong partner or being the wrong. Well, partner. I, I bet you what they would say to you is, "Oh, well, she changed, right?" And but at Probably. the same time, I don't know how accurate that is. It is possible, but if you aren't regulating your emotions and you get kind of caught up in the moment and uh, you know, kind of get swept up with stuff. 
you're going to miss some some important things. Yeah. Uh, you know, things are going to get swept under, under the rug. Yeah. So the the takeaway, I think, for this chapter is um, don't assume that once you get a woman into a committed relationship, your job is done and she's going to love you and want to be with you forever. I mean, she may love you forever, but she's not necessarily going to want to be with you forever if you're not still making good on the promises you made either directly or indirectly when you were actively dating and trying to win her. Yeah. And what you, what, what's the expression? What you, what you meet somebody with is what you need to maintain basically. Yeah, like, what so you win them with is what, what you win them to. There you go. Yeah. And, and, and so if you're not keeping that mm-hmm. up in some capacity, then yeah, you, at that point you have to look in the mirror. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about, uh, never follow a woman's lead, which, you know, the little sensational of course title, for this chapter. Um, this one is talking about the fact that uh, sometimes women can get a little bit caught up in the courting and the dating process. And uh, that can trigger a response in a woman where she gets very romantic, very affectionate and uh, looks to accelerate your pairing in a way that may not be the best thing for the relationship. And, um, she gets and, caught up in her emotions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As as men certainly do sure. in the in the setting of a new relationship as well. Yeah, and the the advice that I think would almost count for both men and women in a relationship is try to be the partner that's going a little bit slower. And there's got to be there's got to be one adult in the situation that is willing to say. <laughs> Let's put the brakes on a little bit and let's take this slowly and let's focus on figuring out if this is the right relationship for both of us instead of just both of us being slaves to our hormones yeah, and, uh, you know, letting our brains bathe in that dopamine and oxytocin flood. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's cool this down a little bit and, and have some observe what's happening and not just feel and believe everything the minute our brain sends us the signal. Yeah. And I think these days it's, it's difficult to, it's really difficult to do that because a lot of us are anxious, have anxiety, have stress. And so the, and we may not be doing all the self care things that we should be doing for ourselves. Right. And so now when we meet somebody and we feel that dopamine hit and the oxytocin, it's, a relief it's it's not only does it feel good in and of itself but now we are coming from a place of where we were really stressed out and so the value of that person and the relationship and the things that you're doing with them just gets in our minds and our feelings just gets elevated to the point of it really makes a, a a more yeah impactful experience and so we might get even more caught up right. and make even worse decisions <laughs> too soon. So yeah, these it's really difficult to to not go too quickly. Yeah, it is. And I I mean Ariel and I got together, uh, we went from being friends to being a couple in the early days of COVID. And so, you know, mm, the, interesting. Yeah. Huh. And so, you know, I forgot about that in, the, in the, the timing of that. the high stress environment that uh, COVID was putting all of us in. 
I mean, yeah. having having someone close to and someone that uh, you could feel like you could depend on and be and be tied to and connected. Those, yes, you know, all because all, every day it was like something else. Yeah, like are we going to be allowed to go back to the gym, to the grocery store, to the right. you know, yeah. we're going to have to stand in line outside of Walmart until they get down to another, you know, a low enough number of customers that I can go inside and shop. I mean, all that stuff. All those changes. Day to day. All to day those to day. changes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that, you know, in in high stress situations, whether it's pandemics or wars or whatever, I feel like the human instinct is to accelerate this courting process and, and bond to someone as quickly as you can. I thought we were reading or listening to something that said that more babies are born during wartime. Yeah, I don't remember not, what it was, but yes. Right. And it was because people are, are stressed and probably I think maybe maybe they're hunkering down or whatever. Be close to each other. Closer to each other, but also feeling stressed and it, you know, could be a you know, that that relief of uh yeah. that, that sex provides. Yeah, yeah. So that's um yeah, I think when you're when you're in a high anxiety, high stress situation and then you meet someone and you connect to that someone and you start getting those <laughs> those pleasant hormones and chemicals that are telling you, Hey, maybe everything is going to be okay. Then yeah, you want to push to move that relationship forward as quickly as you possibly can. And as tightly as you can. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's, that's an instinct that we would probably be best. Both partners would be best served by, you just know, eating more chocolate, just yeah. slowing it down and putting the brakes on a little bit and say, okay, let's, let's do this deliberately. Let's, let's build a foundation here that an actual relationship can be built on instead of just giving into our, our hormones and as quickly as we can. And that being said, now that the whole world is hearing this podcast and taking our advice, when you're in this relationship and somebody does slow things down, communicate, don't just get upset. Like, Oh, they're pulling away from me and, and things are really bad. You know, oh, yeah. keep, keep, you know, don't, if somebody's going a little bit slower, that's, that is going to cause some tension and, and, and anxiety in that other person. And my best piece of advice is talk about it. Don't just, you know, make assumptions or, you know, start acting a certain way, or even if you think you're, you're, you can handle it, you're calm, cool, and collected. That's horse shit. It's going to come out. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, I've been on both sides of that, yeah, yeah. where you're going to be feeling anxious, and it's going to you're going to come out and be a little bit resentful for that person, and it might come out in other ways that you know might be just like you know, I told you to get the brown rice, goddamn it, like you know, and then like you're freaking out over something that's totally not related, you know? Yeah. But um, yeah. So don't be afraid to say, hey, listen, I still care about you, but. You know, I feel like things are moving a little too quickly. You know, let's, you know, let, let's, let's give it some time. Let's have some more experiences together and really just kind of get to know each other before we start, you know, carving our names into the side of a tree. Right. Yeah. And I or, or get tattoos of each other's names, you know? When yes. And I, and I would say, you know, I, I like to think that uh, every, every relationship that I'm, I'm in, I, I can take some valuable lessons away and, um, the most recent one that ended, I think the, the lesson to learn there was the need for being able to give and receive space. I think that was mm -hmm. the, the biggest thing that I learned was, you know, when, whether it's, you know, you're having an argument and one partner is like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. I think we should take a break and come back and talk about this in an hour. And, you know, again, because of some of the early childhood traumas that I dealt with, it's like, 
hold on a second. No, if you, if I let you out of my sight now, you're, you're never going to come back. So yeah, I, I can't sure. tolerate that. So let's keep fighting. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be my response usually in that scenario. And, get it. Uh, again, it did not, it did not serve me or, or my partner. And that, that seems to be the, the biggest lesson I, I took away was no, the, the need for space. It's got to be something that you're able to give and receive mm-hmm. without, you know, going into chicken little mode where it feels like the sky is falling on you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and that's being able to introduce a little bit of healthy space at the beginning of the relationship will set the tone for the rest of the relationship. And, you know, being able to, whether you're the one that's asking for space or you're the one being asked for space, being able to handle that with some resilience and some, and some calm is, is, is something is a tool you're going to be able to use for as long as you and that person are together. Yeah. And, and I mean, very few things with the exception of like moving across the country are hindered by giving a little bit more space and taking a little bit more time. Right. So it's an investment in the health of the relationship by giving people that, that time to process properly. And just like, you know, when, when you're overtired, you know, you're not thinking right. Same thing, you know, same thing with, if you're arguing in the middle of a, you know, an argument, things like that. So yeah, absolutely. Give that time and space to to yourself as well. You know, yes. you, may, you may not even realize you might be in the heat of the battle. Right. You know, yeah, and absolutely. and and if somebody gives you, you know, to, hey, that's an opportunity there to pause, think through some things, and actually try to understand. You've got now that that space to to listen and comprehend instead of just living in the emotional moment. Yeah, and and I would say. At a couple's healthiest, both partners realize that when one asks for a break or for some space, mm. that is that is a a net win for both of that you. That's a gift. Yes, it is a gift because somebody has yeah somebody has snapped said, back into yeah, awareness. Yeah, they've, at that they've point. gotten that front part of their brain involved instead of just their amygdala, and 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 one of you is yeah. So looking at that as a as a gift is uh, not something that comes naturally for me, but some you know a skill that a I I hope I can yeah. develop. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, I, I, I pride myself on, on being able to learn from my mistakes and not just repeating the same unhelpful patterns. And that, that one's near the top of the list. Uh, so another thing that he mentions in this is, um, the impulse that men will often have to continue seeing a woman or being in a woman's presence at high personal costs, Mm -hmm. uh, basically inconveniencing yourself and doing things that you don't really want to do just so that you can be around her. And uh, in his case study, he does a pretty good job of explaining why um, saying yes to going out and meeting up with someone when you don't really want to, it's not just a neutral, it's it's going to be a negative in your ability to attract, <clears throat> excuse me, attract and connect with this person. Yeah. And, and put yourself in the other position, right? So if you were in another position and I'll say a woman or anybody at that point was bending over backwards and he knew it was going to be inconvenient or that they didn't really like doing what you, you know, what you guys are planning on doing. And you were on the other side of that. Be honest with yourself. Would you continue to respect that person knowing that they were suffering almost and feeling really uncomfortable 
without a good reason. Like if there was, if there was, you know, if it was a once in a while thing, or if you was an emergency and you needed somebody to do something, that's different. It's an exception. It's not the rule. But if you're consistently seeing somebody do those things to me, again, I feel like they, I would lose value for them because they don't value themselves. If you don't love yourself, who else is going to love you? You are not, you know? Yeah. And, and not only that, if you're like me and you kind of wear your heart on your face, you know, if you, uh, <laughs> if you say yes to going to the ballet or going shoe shopping when you really don't want to, oh yeah, you're, you're going to be miserable to be around. Right. And yeah. it's not going to be fun for either of you, but you're like, well, she's my girlfriend and I haven't gotten to see her this much this week. So I'll say yes to whatever thing she wants to do just so I can be around her. And then you end up resenting her and being miserable the whole time you're with her. That, that is not a, that's not a neutral outcome for the relationship. It's a negative. No. And you're also ultimately sacrificing, uh, the, any type of safety or security that you are providing as a man in that relationship with right. a woman, because now you are pretending to be something you're not. And right. now she doesn't know. Yeah, she who can't, you are. She can't she count. Trust. She can't count on the idea that whenever right. he's with me, it's because he wants to be with me, and and or that that right, correct, and that he so easily sways with the wind based on or you know blows blows with the wind based on. Yeah, this is a guy who can be talked into doing things he doesn't want to do. A hundred percent. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah, and and a guy who can be easily talked into doing things he doesn't want to do is not a guy who's keeping the family safe, keeping the resources, keeping the yeah right. Yeah, that's, and that's and now point. you're 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 also going back into a child mode. You're also now approval you, seeking. You, you're approval seeking, but you're also right. You are now not a responsible adult almost. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, sacrificing, sacrificing what you want, what you enjoy, what makes you feel good just for the idea of like, you know, I'll be miserable, but at least I'll be in a room with her. Right. No, that's not, that's not the move. Right. And and so here's the thing is a lot of times that's a pattern in childhood. So our parents might have us do things that we don't really want to do, but you know, we're not going to like leave the house you know, I mean, once in a while, I guess a kid leaves the house, but you know, for the most part, um, you do the chores that you don't want to do and you're miserable, but you are, you know, that ultimately you need that protection and that safety from your parents. So you do those things. And I feel like there's a lot of parallels to, you know, doing things you don't want to do. And with this assumption that, yeah, you're getting that unconditional love again from, from your partner. And that is – you're setting up, yeah, really dangerous patterns and, and ways of thinking about uh, the relationship from both sides. Yeah, so I agree. And in this chapter, he closes out with a um, a case study where he gets a message from a girl that he's interested in at 11 p.m. on a Friday night that <laughs> says, hey, me and, me and a bunch of my friends are going to go to this bar. Why don't you come out? And he's like – his own attitude is, no, I'm too tired. I don't want to. Um, I mean, going to hang out with a, a girl that you're interested in and a bunch of her friends is, you know. You well, did he even know that it was a bunch of her friends? Oh, yeah. She said we, right? Uh, right? She did say we in that scenario. No? Yeah. Uh, join, Sky bar with a friend, come join us. So there's at least one other person there. Yep. And so uh, this this idea that uh, you're going to go meet up with a girl who's there with a friend or multiple friends. Mm-hmm. 
and you're going to put on such a performance that she decides she's going to ditch all the people that she planned to go out with that night to mm-hmm. go hang out with you. I mean, yeah, that's a thing that could happen, but you know, inconveniencing yourself and, and getting dressed up and going out on a night where you're too tired to, to go out anyway on the off chance that you might be able to pull that off. It's like the night that you're too tired and you don't feel like going out is the, the night where you have the worst chance of being able to pull this off in the first place. Yeah. I mean, if he's already out at the bar next door with his friends having a good time and, and he, you know, he's ready for a, you know, it's 11 o'clock, but he's ready for a few more hours of hanging out and drinking and having fun. Then yeah. Why don't you migrate over to the bar? She's at say, hi, hang out with her and her friends a little bit. Yeah. But this idea of I'm at home, I'm tired. Now I'm going to get up, get a shower, get dressed, shave, put on, you know, my nice clothes and all this just on the off chance that maybe I can romance and romance her into going on a date with me or, or having sex with me that night. Yeah. So he, this guy sets himself up from, for failure at the beginning and then he shows up and she introduces him to this big group of people that he probably didn't know was going to be there. And then he finds himself sort of on the outside of the group, just chit chatting with some guy he doesn't know. And this girl is not giving him the attention or interest that he hoped that she would. Yeah. And so it turns out that guy was also there to see her. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the, the and, dance. Yeah. And so then he, he basically gets to see her, uh, end her night and leave with a friend. Um, let's see Janice and Kelsey who's okay. Yeah. That's just her friend is another guy, but ba- basically she was there with her friend, Kelsey. She invited probably multiple other guys to show up to hang out. And then her and her friend leave, and then this guy is stuck wondering why he wasted his time and his energy to go hang out with her. So, yeah, this this idea that uh, – and then, you know, basically the the cost to this, the opportunity cost of, you know, this guy could have been at home laying in bed watching Star Trek The Next Generation reruns. And he lost, he lost out on that, number one, most Rookie importantly. Mistake. Exactly. Mistake. But number two, he's also – yeah, I'm I'm sure he ended up looking tired or awkward or weird and that is an impression that he's going to leave her with and not be able to, you know, wipe out of her brain. Yeah, he probably wears his heart on his face too. I mean, when yeah. you're tired, we all wear our heart on our face right. basically. Yeah. yeah. And and so I um yeah, I've I've been in situations like that where uh, it, one, in fact, recently where you tried to encourage me to to go out there and socialize and, and go to a party that I wasn't going to know anybody at. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I had to explain to you, Dan, it's like, Dan, this, this isn't a neutral situation. This is if I go and I'm annoyed and I'm just playing on my phone because I don't know anybody and I'm being antisocial. It's like, no, this will this will negatively impact. And there wasn't a particular girl that I was going to see. It was just going to be a group thing. But I was like, no, this will this will devalue me in my own eyes and in the eyes of the group because I'm just I'm I'm so desperate to socialize with people that I'm going to go into a situation where I'm I'm not happy. Yeah. I'm not I'm not relaxed. And yeah, it's it's not going to be good for me or for them. Yeah, I mean, a good rule of thumb is what what kind of positive energy can you bring to the situation rather than get from the situation. Right. So, a lot of times, I'll go in with the intention of of you know bringing some positive energy, and a lot of times, most of the time, I end up getting positive energy from from the interactions. The question is, and and I, I think mostly because it's what I invested into it and came in with that intention, I was able to then generate that out. Whereas in the past where I've gone out because of some sort of sense of obligation or some friend talked me into it right. um, and I'd show up, a lot of times, yeah, it wasn't nearly as fun or, or beneficial for me. So 
if I, you know, I, I saw that you made a great point, uh, and I agree with you. If you can't set that intention and, you know, in, to, to bring that energy. Now, again, you don't need to go in there and go, all right, I'm going to come in with the life of the party, but at least come in neutral or better and being open to new experiences and, and new energy and meeting new people and, and, and providing a little something to it rather than being an energy vampire. Yeah, and but also think about the positive way that you can set yourself apart from other men by saying, you know, that doesn't sound like my kind of fun or that doesn't sound like something I'm up for tonight, but have a good time. Maybe you and I can yeah. catch up some other time. Yeah. Because, you know, in the case of a you relatively should. attractive woman, she's not going to be hearing that very often. What she's used to is guys putting their own comfort and their own preferences to the side just to bask in her glory mm -hmm. and so when you're the guy who's like nah, it doesn't seem like my kind of thing but maybe you and i can you know meet for coffee next week sometime that that's that's the message that she's probably not used to hearing very often and that will will set you apart in her eyes yeah i mean it means you value yourself as a human being and if you don't value yourself again i keep beating a dead horse here who else is going to value you why would she value you same thing in terms of enforcing boundaries and i had a conversation with somebody about that recently if you're not going to enforce your boundaries then why would anybody else uh, yeah i mean they're if if you're not willing to enforce it then it's not a boundary it's a preference that's yeah and, and then so. and you're teaching people indirectly that you don't respect yourself and so they're going to not respect you when you say these things yeah yeah no exactly um all right how about uh you ever try to win a gal over by buying her presents, Dan? Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, I have. Um, fortunately, that was elementary school and high school, uh, and I kind of got out of that in college. Yeah, I. That was I, an early one that I figured out didn't work. <laughs> it took me a little bit longer to get over it, but uh, yeah, I would say probably early twenties. I okay. I got I got cured of that. Yeah. Um, why do, why doesn't it work? I mean, everybody who everybody who sells nice things that women like tells us it works. So, yeah. Well, so I mean, there's a difference. So, I, I, really, the 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 fine part is you don't you don't lead with that, right? It's like an occasional way to say I love you or I was thinking about you. I think is fine, but to to come to the table and say here's me and. For example, I, I got a girl a swatch when I was <laughs> in elementary school that I had a nice. crush on, you know, and I thought, oh, I'll get her this swatch and and she'll, you know, she'll she'll want to be with me or hold my hand or be my boyfriend, or girlfriend or whatever, you know. And <laughs> so you're, you're diminishing your own value. Same thing. Same thing with the, the whole respecting yourself. It's 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 you aren't enough by yourself. It's hey. Uh, I need to buy your love. And you're also then like we just talked about what you lead with is what you got to maintain. So now let's say you don't really know then is it the gifts that she likes and loves or is it you or is it a little bit of both? Right. Now you've got more questions. Who wants more questions in life? Honestly. Nobody. Nobody should. Right? Um, we want clarity. Yeah. That, that reminds me of an interesting quote I heard this week. Um I think it was Tony Robbins that said it originally. Uh, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of questions you ask yourself. Mm, I like it. I do too. And uh, yeah, I yeah, he's got an event coming up in Dallas in November. I don't think I'm going to go to that, but I think I am going to set a goal to um, go to his next uh, 
his entry level event, uh, UPW Unleash the Power Within. Okay. Um, looks like he's doing one or two physical ones a year now. And, uh, I might be up for that. I think for 2024, um, when, when he releases his schedule, I think right now they're kind of focusing on selling the one that's coming up. But, yeah. But when the schedule's out, I, I may want to travel to wherever he's doing one. Ideally, he's going to do one, his date with Destiny event, which is the expensive one that lasts like five days. And mm. I think he runs that whole one himself personally, where the UPW, he has like other guys that guys and gals that contribute. Um, date with Destiny is like five days and like six grand. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that one. At least not unless I get a ton of value out of the cheaper one first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he has a lot of good things to say and I, I would definitely like to check out one of his events. Um, okay. So when it comes to, here, here's what I'll say about buying gifts. Um, I tend to limit gift buying to, um, things that I give a woman, I give her that we will both enjoy <laughs> such as an experience like going to dinner or, I mean, taking her along on a vacation that, that honestly sounds so appealing to me. I would go by myself. Yeah. Um, buying her nice clothes that I would enjoy seeing her wear or enjoy being seen with her while she's wearing or buying her the kind of clothes that nobody gets to see except me. <laughs> I like, I like buying those as a gift as mm -hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that, uh, well, I'll get into this a little bit later. Let's talk about the case study. So, um, there's a couple Luke and Jess that have a tradition of celebrating Valentine's day together. Uh, one year, um, Luke gives Jess, excuse me, Jess, her, her present and she's forgotten that it's Valentine's day. So she has no present for him. Uh, his, re his response to that was to smile and tell her that it was no big deal and nothing to worry about. So as we'll read later in the scenario, that was a lie. He lied to her because he didn't want to share his true feelings. So we'll call that mistake number one. Mm -hmm. um, later that evening during a romantic candlelit dinner, uh, he barely said a word until after he had finished his meal. So he's acting out based on his feelings being hurt. Uh, we could call that mistake number two. Then he takes a deep breath and tells her that he needed to get something off his chest. He proceeded to tell her how much he had hurt his feelings. Valentine's Day was a tradition they kept alive for four years, and it was an important milestone. And she again apologized and told Luke how much she loved him. I don't believe that was a mistake. I think it was a good move for him to get it off his chest to say, hey, this is bothering me. Agreed. Um, unfortunately, her declaration of love wasn't enough to calm him down. Uh, I can't believe this. He thought I'd give, I've given her so much, bought her gifts, booked and paid for dinner. And she can't even remember what day it is. As they drove home, Luke continued to berate Jess for ruining such a special day. Okay. So there's maybe a, maybe a mistake there. You uh, think? Maybe a huge mistake there. And so her response is she puts her head against the window, closed her eyes and just wishes he would shut up and get over it. How many more times did she have to listen to him complain about the same thing over and over again? Mm. Um, Later that night, they're laying in bed. Luke tried to kiss her on the lips to bridge the distance. Are you okay? He asked. Um, so right there, another mistake because he's asking for something instead of giving value. If he is trying to bridge the gap. Right. He should have led with, I'm sorry. 
that whole part in the car where I kept going over this over and over again, that was a mistake. I apologize. And he is kissing her with the intention of trying to to get something out of her and change her. And like again, I yeah, I think you gotta be very careful in terms of, you know, whether you you know and and he's then I think he's also have a little bit of a covert contract with that by kissing to bridge the gap instead of having the conversation about right. it, like you just said. Right. Like let's let's acknowledge the ways that I mishandled the situation. I mean, he he mishandled it in several ways, and the way to bridge the gap is to acknowledge at least one of the things that you did wrong. You know, acknowledge that hey, at the very beginning when I said this was no big deal, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have said that. Or when you apologized for it. After I told you how much it hurt me, you apologized for it. I should have accepted your apology and moved on. Or when I was still having some feelings about this in the car ride home, I should have just gone back to the fact that you apologized sincerely for it. And I I should have just felt like that was okay. And I've been there and I've struggled to think that at that high level in those emotional me situations. Me too, absolutely. And that's why it's so important that you've got good friends and then you've got other people in your life and in, in your social circle to be able to contact and, and work through some of those things and not necessarily just react to them with the person in right. the moment. I'm not saying that's any easier, but at the same point, if you don't even have those people – You've got yeah, you no, feel like you've got no, you've got no other resource. outlet. You've got yeah. no other outlet, and you're just going to get you're going to you make make the situation worse. Okay, so um, a minute passed before she rolled over and told Luke that she wasn't in the mood to have sex. She excused herself and went to the bathroom, and then she comes back from the back from the bathroom, and he's in the fetal position crying because he thinks mm-hmm. that uh, she doesn't love him anymore, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, this is this is a guy whose reaction has spiraled out of control because of his anxiety. And it's really anxiety that he brought on himself by not by not recognizing and labeling and sharing his feelings in the moment and letting things kind of just build up yep. and do the roller coaster all night. Yeah. And another thing you he could have done in that situation to relieve some of that anxiety is just go for a walk. Just movement, physical movement relieves anxiety or at least will give you that space and time. If nothing else, it'll also – you know. so there's absolute scientific evidence that shows that by doing physical movement and squeezing muscles, that absolutely will release proper hormones to, to help you think more clearly but as well as – giving more time for you to kind of process things and and bring that anxiety level down. So if you don't have another person to talk to, go for a walk, do something physical, just do some push-ups, whatever that is, be active before re-engaging into the situation. And, and I would say also, and this is even harder to do than taking the break to be physical is uh, another thing that cures anxiety is taking ownership and, verbalizing to yourself and another person that, Hey, this night didn't go the way that I had hoped it would. And my behavior absolutely plays a part in that. And, you know, I'm sorry that it, that it didn't go the way that both of us were hoping. And I understand that you're not in the mood. I love you. Good night. And then just go to sleep and then see how you feel in the morning that that would have put off some of the anxiety as well, but just the, you know, curling up and crying and um, 
you don't love me anymore, you know, making a a grand emotional declaration like you understand exactly what's going on in her head and you're going to tell her how she's feeling as not the move. And look, I'm, you know, this fic, I'm not bagging on this fictional man here in this he's not all this stuff has happened to me at some point. Me too. And so too. I I get where this is coming from. Yeah. But uh yeah, and and I and I got the same results he did, which is uh-huh. eventually he gets the relationship ends and she finds herself with somebody else. And then she, you know, puts a little test on on this new partner to see how he's going to handle it. And he handled it better. Now, he and the, the part of this story that gets a little ridiculous is basically on Valentine's Day, she reaches out to the new boyfriend and is like, what are we going to do tonight? And he's like, uh, sorry, I already got plans. She's like, but it's Valentine's Day. He's like, oh, I didn't realize it. Well, I mean, yeah. So I, may, I guess, I guess there are people in the world who don't live by a calendar the way that you and I do. But yeah, I mean, Rosh Hashanah doesn't sneak up on me, and I'm not even Jewish, right, much yeah. less Valentine's Day when I'm in a relationship with somebody. Oh, you can't avoid that, right? So ridiculous. Here, now, now, here's the thing: I am going to critique this story a little bit because the beginning that was her excuse. She didn't realize it was Valentine's Day either. And I was about to say is how the hell. Living in this world in the Western and Western, it's, it's nonsense, right? That you don't know it's it's Valentine's Day now, or you're living a life of chaos, right? So, right. So now here, this is where this, but this is where it can get tricky. So sometimes when Valentine's Day falls like during the week, like are you going to celebrate it? You know, and maybe you don't communicate that well, you know, and maybe somebody it's like the twelfth is you know, or or you know the eleventh is a Friday or a Saturday sure. or whatever, and the, you know, and so. Maybe somebody does something a little bit earlier than the other person because it wasn't communication and they don't they're not prepared yet or whatever. So, you know, it can happen, you know, and it has happened to me. Yeah, but I yeah, I don't think it's It's part of it. Like you want to you want to have like a surprise, you know, I don't think it's happened to me. I mean, you know, again, even minor holidays don't really sneak on me because be a combination of my career and the way that I plan my recreational time. It's just like dates don't. Yeah, holidays don't sneak up on me. It's right. like I'm I'm on Google Calendar. All of them are on there, and it's again. I don't know when this book was written, and it it, it requires a little bit of suspension of disbelief, as they yeah. say in the theater, to imagine that these two people both got surprised by Valentine's Day and uh, on two separate occasions. Um, yeah, 2017. So. Uh... That's when it was first published. So yeah, it's not old enough to. No, definitely not. To, no, we had cal- we had calendars in 2017. Exactly. Sure. Uh, all right. So <laughs> here's here's some stuff that he says that I'll disagree with. Uh, only the weak and insecure man feels the need to buy gifts in a desperate attempt to win a woman's approval. I'll, I'll agree with that. I mean, if you're buying gifts in a desperate attempt, number one is don't don't make any desperate attempts to do anything. Don't do anything desperately. Yeah. And don't do things to win someone's approval. Um, I here's the part I disagree. The only time you should consider buying gifts for women is not as is commonly thought on typical gift giving days like birthdays, Christmas Day, Valentine's Day, and anniversaries. Like if you enter a relationship and and you say, Okay, uh, I know we've been seeing each other for six or seven weeks and uh you've brought up the idea of us being exclusive and I'm down for that. I think that's a good idea. Let's do it. But just so you know, don't expect any gifts on Christmas, Valentine's Day, anniversary, or birthdays. Good luck with that. Yeah. I that seems that's that's ridiculous to me. I mean, you could set the expectation of listen, I don't go over the top on giving gifts on holidays. So if you're I don't expect you to be buying me expensive jewelry. You shouldn't expect it from me either. You know, um, on Valentine's Day, get somebody 
maybe a car, a nice card mm-hmm. and some fairly inexpensive flowers. But, you know, the idea I'm going to buy you a diamond tennis bracelet for Valentine's Day. No, that's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have a heavy bias towards experiences over, over physical things yeah. anyway, in both receiving and giving gifts. So, um, for me, it's, I'm going to take somebody out for a nice dinner on Valentine's day. That's, that's what I'm, that's yeah, what I do. I, I really, as the older I get, the more I realize how important love languages are. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm same way. I'm, I'm more about experiences, but you know, uh, you know, my love language is definitely physical touch and words of affirmation. It is not, it is not gifts. So even if somebody gives me a gift, yeah, I'm not, it's not, doesn't mean as much to me as if you were to like write me a card and tell me yes, I think what, you know, what you like about me or the relationship or whatever that is, that is so much more valuable to me. Than, I would say for me, know, it is too. I, uh, I'm in tennis bracelet. When, when I, when Especially I was, when I don't play tennis anymore. Right. You know, I mean, when, yeah. where am I going to wear that? Honestly. Yeah. I, I would I would agree with you and I would say that uh, yes a a card with a heartfelt message for me uh, and I used to think that and maybe it was uh, that receiving gifts was my love language I've I've pretty much let go of that idea that that's my love language it really isn't and I think it, it could be one like that's the whole thing is that, that right. it's just different different but not not compared right compared yeah. to words of affirmation what, what the primary and, is yeah and uh, and physical touch those those two are head and shoulders above all the other ones for me and I think I think most men probably fit into that category what's interesting was and I don't I don't remember they probably talked about it in this book but I you know of course I've got spotty memory with certain things but I didn't realize that until um, recently or re remembered that there's lang- love languages that help you understand when you f- are feeling loved but then there's also the love languages that you use to express your love mm. and those aren't necessarily the same yes. those aren't necessarily the same yeah no i agree with that i uh definitely that's that's true in my case i i like to give gifts to express love at a far greater degree than i like to receive them i feel like you also though do acts of service uh that's true too yeah and I know, I know that you, yeah, you, you, you're really good with the uh, access service and stuff. And so, yeah. And that's, that's where I feel a lot of people have miscommunications and aren't necessarily partnered up because I think it's very difficult to change your love language. I feel like that's part of your identity. And mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of relationships go wrong is where one person is going, well, I've been making an effort. I've been doing all of these things or saying these things or yeah. And, and the other person's like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't feel loved. And that's because their whole love languages are off kilter. They're not, they're not in sync. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and I, I mean, I'd like to see a study that even once you're made aware that you've got different love languages, how well does it still work out? Because, you know, can you learn to appreciate a different, Love language, uh, that's a question I don't know. To the point of where you're feeling satisfied and loved versus just giving it kind of lip service. Oh, I see that you've tried. Yeah. But I'm still not feeling it. Yeah, no. I can appreciate and acknowledge, but I'm not feeling it. It would would probably require some deliberate effort and some scheduling Mm -hmm. to say, okay, I know how my partner receives love and it's not the way that I naturally give love. So therefore – I'm going to start putting it on my calendar, you know, that I'm going to, you know, if she, if, if her love language is quality, her receiving language is quality time, then I'm going to put quality time on my calendar. If yeah. it's acts of service, then I'm going to put performing acts of service for her on my calendar. Yeah. I'm curious to see if 
both partners were to do that, change the way they give love to the way the other person receives love, if that would be enough for them to live a happy, fulfilled type of relationship or I think it would. Or do you need to partner with someone who naturally feel, receives what you give? Yeah, because maybe you're not getting enough satisfaction in terms of the way you're giving that love. You're not getting enough satisfaction back because that's not the way you really want to do it. I don't know how important that is. Well, I, I mean, would say, you know, I mean, I would say continue. You know, if, if, if what I'm the strongest and the most natural at doing is giving gifts and, um, acts of service, then even if I'm making an effort to put their receiving language on my calendar, I'm still going to, I'm still going to be giving, well, yeah, that's true, but I'm still also acts of service and giving gifts. And, and when I'm talking about giving gifts, I'm talking about very small, thoughtful Mm -hmm. trinkets, not, you know, not buying expensive jewelry, but you know, if I'm at the card section of target and I see a nice pretty papyrus card that has a cat on it or something that I know she's into and I just pick it up and give it to her and I've only spent a few dollars on it. Yeah. I'm going to still be doing stuff like that as part of just how I love another person. Yeah. And so my, my natural giving languages are still going to come through, even if I'm putting her receiving languages on my calendar in a deliberate way. So I'm going to question that that's not actually gifts in terms of a love language. I'm still saying that's acts of service because if it's like a little thing, you're still, it's, it's the effort you're putting into it, right? You're going, you're going to the place. You are picking out something very specific. That's, that is very, that you know that she's going to enjoy. You might write a little something. Those are all to me. Whereas I can see your point, right? So where, where in my mind, and I would be off on all, all good gifts, involve that process though. So. Well, not, I don't think so. I, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, we, I need to reread that book, but when, when I think of gifts, yeah, maybe we'll cover it, it's, after, it's uh, the focus is, Hey, this is a new car, right? Like, or this is a diamond tennis bracelet and it's, it's just a gift, you know, where it's, it's to me, it's an expensive thing, right? Yeah, you know, I, I don't have, I don't know. Maybe, bias. Yeah, maybe, maybe, we, maybe we should cover that, but yeah. it's supposed to be a short book. So I think yeah. maybe we'll put that on the, on the queue. Um, I do agree that unexpected gifts are more appreciated and more valued than just, you know, it takes a little bit more effort. And okay. You know, yeah. we got this date coming up on the calendar that Hallmark says you need to buy me a present. So yeah, I expect my present. Um, well, I, I would say on the big gift giving holidays, that's where you focus on a card that you write out or some meaningful trinket or something like that and, and not some big expensive production. Um, and then, you know, save, save the, when you're spending a little bit more money on a gift, save that for a surprise. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is probably a I think better makes, way to go. And it makes a bigger impact too, you know, when because it's not expected. Absolutely. You know? All right. I think uh, we got through three of them. Yeah. So I like, I like that job. pace. And uh, we will stop there for today. And then uh, the next one will be Attraction Grows in Space. And uh, I don't know what number episode this is going to be. The one that comes out on Monday will be 99. <laughs> Uh, attraction grows in space. That's why astronauts are so sexy. Oof. I apologize. <laughs> I'm, I'm in behalf for that one. Um, Love those cosmonauts. All in, right. uh, in this, yeah. In, in, it's interesting that 
the idea of relationship space has been on my mind a lot and, mm-hmm. and I'm turning a lot of these chapters into, into that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this one's called attraction grows in space. So I, I don't feel like I'm going too far out of my way, but, uh, yeah, that, uh, and, and he quotes from Esther Perel a couple times in this chapter and she's brilliant. So I, I really, I'm a big fan of her work. So, all right, we will talk about that next time. Thanks, Dan. Take care. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Good Bye. luck this weekend.